Sarmiento. Come in after work and take a seat at Asiento, a great place to meet friends, have delicious tapas and drinks, and relax with your neighbors. Located at Bryant and 21st Street in the Deep Mission, Kitty Corner Block from Mutiny Radio. Come and get a drink during the comedy festival and enjoy happy hour pricing all night long with your festival ticket. A great neighborhood bar. Come take a seat at Asiento. The Roxy Theater is San Francisco's favorite nonprofit art house cinema, bringing you the best, coolest, weirdest, most thought provoking movies of the past, present, and future. Hands down, there is no better way to get your film fix than at this legendary historic theater. Visit www.roxy.com. That's www.roxie.com today for showtimes and tickets. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Wait, drink, drink around the corner, somewhere else, not here.
Sing one more song and we'll have an intermission. I dreamed I saw Joe last night. Life has you for me. And says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he.
was uh, <clears throat> Sinead O'Connor. <clears throat> Sinead O'Connor with Thank You. And more Sinead O'Connor and stuff about Sinead O'Connor later on. Before that, Joan Baez, sort of epoch-making uh, rendition of Joe Hill, trying to remind all the uh, hippies that uh, work is the working relationship is where it's at. Labor, how your labor is used will determine what your life is. And before that, just to kick off the celebration, Coco Taylor with Wang Dang Doodle. That'll wake you up on a Saturday morning. This is the B, and this is the show, Labor and Love Radio, where we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, at your work, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. When I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio 
where the labor meets the road. Good morning, everybody. Got something to read to you. You know, there's always that person around that says they're just not into politics. I'm not political, they'll say. You know, like a young Edmund Dantes, who uh, inadvertently relayed a message from Napoleon, the outlaw at that time, Napoleon, to someone in mainland France. And he kept saying when he was being asked about it, when he was being framed for being a traitor, he kept saying, but I'm not political. I'm not political. I don't have any political opinions. I'm just a young sailor who wants to get married. Oh, wouldn't that be great if we could all be doing that? So you say, you're just not into politics, huh? Well, your boss is, your landlord is, your insurance company is, and every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. So you're just not into politics. Well, boss, landlord, insurance company, they love it. Keep not being into politics. Mr. Trump, your president, whether you voted for him or not, or whether you voted or not, You're just not that into politics. Well, they just want you to keep being like that. All right, so I'm going to put in a little background music there behind us. We've got a show for you today concentrating on St. Patrick's Day. out Sinead O'Connor will make will be singing a lot of the music on the show today. We're gonna have a biography of James Connolly, a famous Irish revolutionary, songwriter, poet, martyred in the uh, Easter 1916 uprising. But his daughter carried on his work. His daughter became an organizer and a revolutionary as well. Her name was Nora Connolly O'Brien. So we find out some more about her. And then the poem itself, Easter 1916. I had the privilege to study Yeats when I was in college, and in the course of studying Yeats, I memorized one of his long poems, Easter 1916 kind of a dirge for those who gave up their lives in the public. We've got Francesca Ramsey, we've got Lumi Abu-Jamal, we've got the West Virginia teachers, uh, and much, much more here on Labor and Love. Play Nim 
princess and the esclava, but I think everyone's getting tired of it. How about this one? You know you gotta serve somebody.
your pride You may be a councilman Taking bribes on the side Working in a barber shop May know how to cut air Or maybe somebody's mistress Or maybe somebody's a Eddie James reminding us that you got to serve somebody. Who are you going to serve? You're going to serve your community, the people around you, the people who loved you and brought you up and created that whole community to raise you? Are you going to go over to the dark side, the side where only the dollar counts? Or human beings are commodities, bought and sold. Who are you going to serve? And like she says, you're going to have to serve somebody. It's not like you can get away and say, well, I'm not political. Even if you're not political, as we just pointed out, a lot of people around you are and they're using it on you. They're using their attention to politics and your inattention on you. Okay, I'm always on Labor and Love Radio. We hook you up to the world labor, world labor news and world labor issues on Radio Labor. So here's Radio Labor, the Radio Labor World Report. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. 
This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, March 16th, 2018. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, how unions can renew themselves, creating jobs with care economies, labor's concerns about future work, the Labor Start report about union events around the world, and singing Let's Work Together. This is Radio Labor. The Global Union, which represents teachers and other education workers, has started a program to help unions renew themselves as they confront new challenges. Education International represents more than 30 million workers who are members of 400 labor organizations. One of the organizations EI asked for advice on how unions can renew themselves is Malaysia Academic Movement. Robert Jayakumar Nathan is a senior lecturer at Malaysia's multi Multimedia University. I'd like to talk about three things in relation to union renewal in Malaysia. Number one, why is it important to have union renewal? I think uh, the challenges are different as uh, we change to different generations. Union renewal is important to stay abreast to new challenges that is facing society. It is also to ensure there is a succession from uh, seniors uh, to younger union members, so the struggle continues and uh, new leaders can take on the struggles. And there are always new challenges faced by the new generations, uh, new challenges for new generations. The challenges are never the same. Some similarities, but new types of challenges faced by new generations could best be addressed by this generation itself. Number two, what can union do uh, to address this? I think union certainly needs young leaders. Young leaders could be paired with uh, seniors. So young leaders may have limited experience, but if you can pair them up with their seniors, they could address issues better. It's also a form of mentoring. Number three, empower young leaders to run projects. Let them have experience in being leaders and run small-scale projects nationwide uh, that will train them to become more mature leaders. And number three, what can EI do to help uh, local unions for union renewal quickly? EI can continue to engage uh, unions in running projects on and organizing get-together, where we come together and do activities together. This is Robert from Move Malaysia. There are about 200 million unemployed in the world, and that's just counting the people who are officially looking for work. How do we find employment for the millions who want a job? Seamarie Ainsborough reports. The key to increasing employment for both women and men is to build an economy based on the provision of care services. That is the central message of the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITUC is the global body which represents national trade union centers such as the AFL-CIO in the United States and the Ghana Trades Union Congress. The need for a care economy was explained by Anna Lee Tuvera at a recent conference of the UN's International Labour Organization, the ILO. Ms. Tuvera is the ITUC's gender specialist for the Asia-Pacific region. I know you've probably read or heard it many times. The future is female. But what does it mean exactly when working families, particularly women, are facing multiple care responsibilities? When they are penalized for demanding more flexibility or for taking advantage of flexibility options? when they are systematically driven out of their jobs by staggering costs of childcare or difficulties of getting childcare, when childcare costs are rising and yet childcare providers, which are mostly women, 
are some of the most lowest paid workers in the world? What are women who are trying to create a better future for their families and children? These are the same people we put our hearts hopes and aspirations on as the key builders of the society and the community are supposed to do in these situations. I feel that things don't have to be this difficult. The trade union movement recognizes that it makes a lot of sense to invest in care and so it organizes its work around the care economy. A research uh, commissioned by the International Trade Union Confederation in 2006 looking at the employment growth potential in the care economy in seven OECD uh, countries, including Australia and Japan, found both economic and social benefits in investing in care. It will create millions of jobs. It will reduce the persistent gender employment gap. It will contribute to realizing gender equality in human development. And what could be more better than this? The economist from the women's uh, budget group who did a study um, using an advanced simulation looking at the employment impact of investing equivalent of 2% of GDP into social infrastructure of education, health and social care services, particularly child care and elderly care, found that if you invest in care, it would actually generate over 21 million jobs. It would also increase overall employment by around 2.4, if I'm not mistaken, to 6.1, depending on the country. Around 59 to 70% of those directly created jobs will be taken up by women. But beyond this, there are other employment multiplier effects, in particular raising the overall male employment from 1.4 to 4% in different countries. So in short, having the right kind of investment can actually turn the social crisis on care around. Not only it would increase uh, women's employment, but at the same time, it will unlock the economic potential of women who cannot access employment simply because they have to perform unpaid care work for their families, children, and the sick. Well, the solutions don't even need to be so, so complicated. We urgently need family-friendly work uh, policies to support women in their child caring and career years. We need support and more support for, for working families in order for them to manage, plan their work and everyday life. We need high quality, affordable child care and early childhood opportunities. Imagine if you have more women who are actually holding seats, not just at the table, but in leadership, there is no limit on what they can contribute and achieve collectively. An extended version of Ms. Tavera's presentation is available on the Radio Labor website at www.radiolabor.net. Trade unionists around the world are becoming increasingly concerned about the impacts of new technologies and business practices which will impact work in the future. Some of these new technologies include artificial intelligence, driverless cars, and computer apps. And then there are emerging business practices such as Uber, which makes underpaid drivers essentially extensions of computer communication systems. Where all of this is heading is the focus of an initiative of the International Labor Organization. 
The ILO is the UN specialized agency concerned with matters of work in the world. It has established a global commission on the future of work to study the new technologies and practices coming our way and make recommendations for how governments, employers, and unions can react. One of the members of the ILO's Commission on the Future of Work is Philip Jennings, the General Secretary of Uni Global Union. Mr. Jennings is concerned about the new technologies coming into play and how they will be implemented. I am worried because Silicon Valley doesn't seem to understand the necessity for all workers to have dignified wages and working conditions. I'm worried about the new economy actors not understanding that we need to lift all of the boats and not just those of the privileged. I'm worried that the world is losing its compass in terms of the necessity to bring broader social cohesion and for the benefits and for the, for the, for the wealth that is produced to be better shared than they are today. The situation that we have at the moment is not sustainable, it is full of risks, it's creating great insecurities and this is having great ramifications in terms of people's livelihoods, in terms of people's sense of well-being and also in terms of the political choices that they make. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the average of 310 news stories added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the general strike for basic labour rights in Gabon, the coming showdown between French rail unions and the Macron government, and the non-governmental organizations in Thailand who are working to resettle freed slaves. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Water supply workers started and then won a national open-ended strike last week as they attempted to address widespread corruption and mismanagement in the South African water system. A wage strike by customs officials has the Haitian government using police to collect duty at the country's borders. The workers who try to prevent mosquitoes from breeding are off the job in India's capital. Copper prices worldwide are rising as a result of a walkout at a mine in Panama. Buses were off the roads in parts of Bangladesh as public transport drivers protested extortion by the police. Chinese workers at a high-fashion factory struck over what are generally agreed to be illegal working conditions, including excessive mandatory overtime and wage theft. Workers at a tire manufacturer in South Korea downed tools in an effort to stop the sale of their workplace to a Chinese corporation. On the same day, a sit-in over the casualization of university cleaning staff ended with a victory for the Korean workers after 57 days. And a major bank was shut as financial services workers stopped work in a protest over job losses due to restructuring in Antigua and Barbuda. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the wage gap in the British banking industry, widespread workplace harassment of women in Indonesia, and of women working in Canada's film and television industry.
The Health and Safety Newswire rerun in cooperation with Hazards Magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the radiation hazards faced by the crews of airliners, a threat by subway workers in Buenos Aires to strike if necessary in order to have their asbestos concerns addressed, and a one-day walkout by electrical utility workers in Pakistan over workplace safety concerns. Currently, LaborStart is running four online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from LaborStart, reporting for Radio Labor. Here's the British singing group, The Workers With. Let's stand together. Divided will fall Come on now people Let's get on the floor Let's work together Come on, come on Let's work together Because together we will stand Every boy, every girl, every man People when things go wrong And sometimes they will And the road you travel Okay, that was our radio labor broadcast. As you can see, uh, problems around the world are pretty much the same as problems here. Uh, There are far more low-wage workers than here in the U.S., or maybe there aren't. I mean, that's something. Being a low-wage worker here is different from being a low-wage worker, say, in India. And it's also the same. 
Because every boy, girl, woman, and man on the radio labor show, and before that, of course, Etta James reminding you that you got to serve somebody. Um, play some James Conley now. Let's do a little background, and then we'll we'll run up some of his music. Uh, James Conley was an Irish Republican socialist leader aligned to syndicalism and Delianism, Delianism, whatever that is. Connolly was born uh, to Irish parents in Edinburgh, Scotland. He left school for a working life at the age of 11, but became one of the leading Marxist theorists of his day. He took a role in Scottish and American politics. He was executed by a British firing squad because of his leadership role in the Easter Uprising. Okay, well, let's start talking then. Let's start talking about Ireland and about St. Patrick and the Irish people. Patrick was born on the island of Great Britain in the year 385, and when he was born, he was a Roman citizen. Rome had conquered that part of Great Britain already, and uh, taken it over. So he was Patricius. He's born in the year 385, uh, around 400, the year 400, when he's about 16. He's kidnapped. Um, pirates from Ireland, or who were on their way to Ireland, would periodically raid the coast, coast towns of Great Britain and get slaves and uh, go and sell them somewhere or else use them somewhere. And Patrick was kidnapped and, and um, ended up working for one of the small kings of Ireland, tending his sheep. At this time, perhaps Patrick Patrick's connection to Ireland and the Irish earth was uh, at this time it originated. So there were times where he wasn't, people weren't watching him. I mean, he wasn't under somebody's scrutiny. And one day he began to hear words. He heard voices and uh, had visions that he was free. He, he could walk away. Now, how many times does this happen to us where we feel that we can't do things or we're disabled to do things and all of a sudden we realize that we're free, that it's up to us. So Patrick walked away from his sheep, walked across Ireland to a port town, asked the people there if he could get a ride out of Ireland, going to anywhere, because he was a fugitive slave. And at first the uh, sailors laughed at him and at his youth and callowness, but the captain realized that he needed someone, that one of, one of the people 
one of his sailors was sick and he needed someone to replace him. So he sent the sailors back to get Patrick after all. And Patrick shipped out. Now there's some rumor, some information that he had done sailing before, that he'd been a fisherman while living and growing up in Great Britain. One way or the other. At any rate, they landed in France. Their ship was blown off course um, on the coast of France. They ended up wandering through the countryside that was empty. There was hardly anyone there. And they began to laugh at Patrick because Patrick was talking about trust to God all the time. They said, well, where's your God now? And Patrick said, well, trust to God. And this is one of the miracles of St. Patrick, that a herd of pigs came running by and the sailors butchered them and ate them, you know. Not just, you know, meat, but really good meat. Uh, Patrick eventually made his way back to Great Britain and lived there for a bit with his parents again. But um, too many things had happened to him to have him just go back and live a quiet, peaceful life, or what it what might have been, you know, possibly a quiet, peaceful life. Um, he was called. He was called to be a priest. He felt he heard voices, God ordering him to be a priest. Not only that, but he would have dreams that Ireland was calling to him and needed his help. So eventually he did. He, he attained the priesthood and he was sent to work in Ireland. Now, Ireland at this time was ruled by clans. The the blood and the sword, the absolute patriarchy. Uh, a lot of, you know, petty arguments and battles and slaughters. And women were slaves to their husbands. And it was a dark place. It was a kind of the place where people didn't really want to go in. Your regular traveler, you know, who traveled places and wrote about it perhaps, wouldn't go there. Like the Manyi in Greece. So Patrick went and the famous story is that he, he taught the Irish people about the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost by holding up a four-leaf, a three-leaf clover. So how you could be each separate, but also be one. And he uses to convince the Irish people, the, the kings, to make alliances and work together for the good of the country, of the whole country, instead of just their little fiefdoms. Uh... He came out strong, as you might expect, against piracy and, and counseled the, the petty kings of Ireland to guard the shore so they wouldn't lose people. 
so pirates wouldn't come and take their people away. So Patrick got that reputation. Of course, the story is that there are no snakes in Ireland because of Patrick. Certainly a symbolic, uh, a bit of church symbolism, the snake being the evil spirit, the non-believer, the tempter of good people. All right, so let's listen to one of Connolly's songs here. And like I say, we're going to get on and talk a little more about him and also about our featured artist this week, Sinead O'Connor. So here's a watchword of labor. James Connolly's song. Watchword of labor, the slogan of they who'd be free, that no more to any enslaver must labor bend supply and need. That we on whose shoulders are borne the pomp and the pride of the great, whose toil they repay with their scorn, must challenge and master our fate. Then send it aloft on the breeze, boys, that watchword the grandest we've known. By our valor, empire for our rulers and lover, yet knelt in abasement and squalor to the things we had made by our swords. Now, valor with worth will be blending when answer and labor's command. We arise from our knees and descend into manhood, but freedom takes stand. Then send it aloft on the breeze, boys, that watch where the grand is we rise from its knees, boys, and claim the broader Thessian soul.
Okay, watchwords of labor. That one was James Connolly band. Songs of Freedom Band, the James Connolly Songs of Freedom Band, a contemporary group that uh, works with Connolly songs. So by the time Patrick died, um, around 460 AD, like we used to say, after Jesus, um, Ireland had changed. Ireland had become more civilized place. Um, in this case, the effect of Christianity in the church had some positive uh, iterations. For example, under Patrick's leadership, women gained more autonomy in Ireland than they had almost any other place in, on earth. We're talking about the year 400 here, the 5th century, thousands of years ago. Women were accorded the right of divorce. Okay, woman was no longer a slave to her husband. Her husband was under the same laws in terms of abuse of his wife that, he, that anyone else was under any other circumstances. Ireland was much, much more peaceful. It was no longer the habitation of the slave traders. They'd been driven out. And finally, Irish people had started to think of themselves as a group unto themselves, as a nation, instead of a collection of small feudal So the Irish people honor St. Patrick, their patron saint, and they honor their country by wearing green. Green is the color of Ireland. Like Etta James said, you got to serve somebody, and for a long time in Ireland, that somebody has been the English. English first conquered Ireland in the 13th century, I believe, but from the 1700s on, uh, Ireland was constantly up, rising up to fight against the English and constantly being utterly defeated in bloody repressions by the English. At one point, the English emptied their jails of the desperados and killers and gangsters in the jails and gave them carte blanche as policemen in Ireland. Oftentimes they could steal whatever they wanted. They could take whatever woman they wanted for themselves. The English really began the whole idea of colonizing Ireland in the 1700s when people were sent, working people, landless people in England were sent to Ireland and given plots of land, especially in the northern part. And one of those families was the Morgans. My family came from uh, Wales, another Celtic part. Wales, 
Scotland, Ireland are Celts. The, the originators, the Celtish people, came originally from Asia. So the Morgans went to Ireland and eventually uh, went native, shifted from being Protestant to being Roman Catholic and being Irish working people. All right, let's stop a little bit here. Let's listen to Slaves of Toil.
Okay, that was the uh, James Connolly Songs of Freedom Band with uh, Clear the Earth of Our Lords and Masters. Oh, Slaves of Toil, it's called. So all through these century-long occupation of Ireland by the English, there were incidents that showed, where the Irish people showed their resistance. One of them was organizing against a certain Captain Boycott, a rancher and businessman who did business with the English and who was especially oppressive and rude to the Irish serfs who lived in the land that he quote-unquote owned that had been taken for him by the English army. The Irish people around there, the regular people, the farmers, the workers, decided that they hated this man so much and they hated his policies that they wouldn't shop at his place, at his store. And eventually he had to give in and uh, stop doing business or so much business with the English, Captain Boycott, thus giving a name to a tactic used by people from time immemorial. Don't do business with someone who's destroying the earth, destroying people, oppressing women, starving children. So they boycotted, it's called, his business. Another incident, I was telling uh, children about this. The wearing of the green. Now, my dad, whose family is from County Mayo, uh, would sometimes sing a song or play a song about wearing of the green. And, and the lyric goes like this. How are things in Ireland, somebody says. And the other one says, they're pretty bad. They're hanging men and women there for wearing of the green. And that was absolutely true. Green was the color, is the color of Ireland. It goes beyond the color, I think. It's more like a state of mind, of greenness. Perhaps this is what Patrick fell in love with on his first trip to Ireland. So the Irish would show their their pride by wearing green, and especially on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, they would wear green. Now, the English came to see this as a sign of uh, opposition, as a statement against the powers that be, which was the English army. By this time, there were what's called Orangemen, northern Irish people who had colonized that area and remained Protestant, who did not join the Irish people but proceeded to exploit them. So they, they saw the wearing of the green as resistance, as Irish nationalism, as we might see now... Uh, a woman in a hijab as some sort of nationalist or someone who was not American, 
Um, so, uh, they put out a proclamation that if you could, you wore green on St. Patty's Day, you might get hung. And that's what the lyric says. They're hanging men and women there for wearing of the green. So what happened, of course, the story goes that one day the Irish, the workers um, got together and planned that all would wear green. Everyone who was proud of being Irish or who was Irish as opposed to being part of England. And the story goes that there were so many people that day wearing green that the British and Northern Irish, the Orangemen, were nonplussed. They didn't know what to do. Finally, they just gave up on enforcing that ridiculous law. Of course, there were repercussions. And the Irish people among you might see you as an Irish person without any green on that. You might have been scared to put on green because of the law. That's understandable, isn't it? But no, this was an expression of Irish nationalism. And if you didn't show your colors, as they might say, show your green, you might get pinched. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Are you anti-Irish? You're pro-English? A little more of the James Connolly Songs of Freedom Band and then a little bit about Connolly himself. Watchword of Labor. Uh, when Labor Calls.
Freedom Band. So, Ireland in 1916 experienced a major uprising centered around the uh, post office in Dublin. Um, it was a group of mostly intellectuals, passionate people, poets, writers, artists, and among them was James Connolly, a labor organizer. James Conley, uh, a labor organizer. Conley was born, uh, as I say, in Scotland, left work at the age of 11 to work. Uh, his family moved from um, Ireland to Edinburgh, Scotland. Cowgate, an area, an Irish ghetto in Edinburgh. I enlisted in the British Army when he was 14 and uh, served in Ireland as a, in the 2nd Battalion of the Royal Scots Regiment, developed a deep hatred for the British Army that lasted his whole life. When he heard that he was going to be transferred to India, he deserted My father, have a family, became involved in socialist issues, the Scottish Socialist Foundation, and acted as its secretary from 1895. Uh, in 1903, he joined Maud Gunn, a famous Irish revolutionary, and Arthur Griffith in the Dublin protests against the Boer War. Traveled to America in 1903 uh, with no plans of what he would do there. While in America, he was a member of the Socialist Labor Party and the Socialist Party and the IWW. Famously had a chapter of his 1910 book, Labor and Irish History, 
a chamber a chapter of horrors daniel o'connell and the working class critical of the achiever of catholic emancipation 60 years earlier um in 1916, he did not associate himself with Irish volunteers, kind of a, supposed to be a revolutionary paramilitary group. He thought they were just posturing and he tried to goad them into action. During the Easter Uprising, Connolly was commandant of the Dublin Brigade, as the Dublin Brigade had the most substantial role in the uprising. He was the commander-in-chief. Connolly's leadership in the Easter Uprising was considered formidable. Michael Collins said of Connolly that he would have followed him through hell. Following the surrender, he said to the other prisoners, don't worry, those of us that signed the proclamation will be shot, but the rest of you will be set free. He was sentenced to death on May 12th, 1916. He was put to death. He was so sick that he was unable to stand before the firing squad was carried in on a stretcher. Asked to pray for the soldiers about to shoot them, he said, I will, be a, I will say a prayer for all men who do their duty according to their lights. So here's a poem by the British, by a famous Irish poet, William Butler Yeats, about that Irish uprising. I have met them at close of day, coming with vivid faces, from counter or desk among gray 18th century houses. I have passed with a nod of the head or polite meaningless words. I have lingered a while and said polite meaningless, meaningless words, being certain that they and I but lived where Motley is worn all changed. Change utterly, a terrible beauty is born. That woman's days were spent in ignorant goodwill, her nights in argument until her voice grew shrill. What voice more sweet than hers than when young and beautiful? She rode to Harriers. That man had kept a school and rode on her winged horse. This other, his helper and friend, was coming into the force. He might have won fame in the end. So sensitive his nature seemed, so wild and mature his thought. This other man, I had dreamed a drunken, vainglorious lout. He had won most, he had done most bitter harm to some who are near to my heart. Yet I number him in my song. He, too, resigned his part in the casual comedy. He, too, has been changed in his turn, transformed utterly. A 
terrible beauty is born. Hearts with one purpose alone through summer and winter seem enchanted to a stone to trouble the living stream. The horse that comes from the road, the rider, the birds that range from cloud to tumbling cloud, minute by minute they change. The shadow of cloud stream changes by minute by minute. A horse who slides on the brim, a horse splashes within it, and long-legged moor hens dive and long and hens to moorcocks call. By minute they change. The stones in the midst of it all. Too long a sacrifice might make a stone of the heart. Oh, when may it suffice? That is heaven's part. Our part to murmur name upon name as a mother names her child when sleep at last has come on limbs that had run wild. What is it then but nightfall? No, no, not night but death. For England may keep the faith with all that is done and said. We know their dream. We know they dreamed and are dead. And what if excess of love bewildered them till they died? I write it out in a verse. McDonald's and McBride and Connolly and Pierce now and in time to be wherever green is worn all changed changed utterly a terrible beauty is born Okay, that was Easter 1916 by William Butler Yeats. Uh, talking a lot today about J.M. Connolly, Irish Marxist revolutionary, who was among those uh, killed, executed after the 1916 uprising. But it didn't stop there. He had a daughter, Nora Connolly. In 1903, her father immigrated to the United States where he worked for a hat maker, where she worked for a hat maker, attended labor meetings with her father, and assisted him with his journal, The Harp. They moved to Belfast in Northern Ireland in 1910. Nora worked on the mills joined the Republican Youth Movement, which taught military drills and the use of firearms. She helped organize the Belfast 
branch of the League of Revolutionary Women, taught first aid. During the Lenin strike of 1911, she made her first public speech, addressing a rally at which her father was also speaking. You, pointing to her father, James Conley, took me to meetings as your daughter. Now I come to them myself as a worker. Okay, so Nora Connolly and someone is calling. Pardon me. Uh, in Dublin for the Fianna Convention, Nora took part in the house gun running operation, um, helped activist Liam Mellows in the 1916 uprising. She was sent to Belfast to rally the volunteers and smuggle dispatches. She was walking the 50 miles because no trains were running. However, the rebels surrendered. The British had outnumbered them 10 to 1. Nora was devastated that she hadn't been able to reach the fighting in time. Her father was jailed and executed. She went to America to speak about the Easter uprising, and though she was forbidden to re-enter Ireland, she managed to get through in disguise. She joined the Transport Union in Dublin and campaigned for Sinn Féin, the political arm of the Irish Revolutionary Army, to win in the national election. She married uh, another nationalist, Seamus O'Brien, in 1922. 1923, she became paymaster of the IRA. 1926, she became a member of the Irish Senate and sat for three terms, politically active until the end of her life in 1981, and published a book, We Shall Rise Again, just before her death. At age 88, Seamus Nora Conley O'Brien. So let's play uh, some music here by by an Irish singer, Emperor's New Clothes. Let's see. By Sinead O'Connor.
Sinead O'Connor with uh, Bemper's New Clothes. Look at some of the lyrics. It seems like years since you held the baby while I wrecked the bedroom. You said it was dangerous after Sunday and I knew you loved me. He thinks I just became famous and that's what messed me up. But he's wrong. How could I possibly know what I want when I was 21? And there's millions of people to offer advice and say how I should be, but they're twisted and there will never be any influence on me, but you will always be. You will always be. I treated you mean, I really didn't mean to, but you know how it is and how a pregnancy can change you. I see plenty of clothes I like, but I won't go anywhere nice for a while. All I want to do is just sit here and write it all down and rest for a while. I can't bear to be in another city, one where you are not. They laugh because they know we're untouchable, not because what I said was wrong. Whatever it may bring, I will live by my own policies. I will sleep with a clear conscience. I will sleep in peace. Maybe it sounds mean, but I don't really think so. You ask for the truth, and I told you. Through their own words, they will be exposed. They got a severe case of the emperor's new clothes. Sinead O'Connor with her song, Denver's New Clothes. I want to play with this one. Fire on Babylon.
Okay, Sinead with her fire on Babylon, talking about the treatment of children and how Babylon treats her young. It's about time to uh, start getting out of here. This is Labor and Love Radio, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Sinead O'Connor, a controversial figure. And that's what they say about someone when you don't want to say, you don't want to say anything uh, really. Let's read a little bit about her. Um, she came, came to fame, let's see, rose to fame in the late 18, 1980s with her debut album, The Song, The Lion and the Cobra. Since then, while maintaining her stinging career, she has occasionally encountered controversy, partially due to her statements and gestures, such as her ordination as a priest, despite being a woman with a Roman Catholic background, her strongly expressed views on organized religion, women's rights, war, and child abuse. In 2017, O'Connor said she had changed her legal name to Magda David. We don't know where that comes from. She was born in Glengarry in County Dublin and was named Sinead de Valera, wife of Irish President Eamon de Valera and mother of the doctor presiding over the delivery. De Valera was an American citizen who was involved in the 1916 uprising, but because of the intercession of uh, President Wilson, uh, he was banished from Ireland, later on became president of the Irish Republic. Her parents are Sean O'Connor, a structural engineer turned barrister and chairperson of the Divorce Action Group, and Marie O'Connor, couple married young and had a troubled relationship, separating when Sinead was eight. The three eldest children went to live with their mother while O'Connor claims they were subjected to frequent physical abuse. The song that we just played, Fire on Babylon, references that. Um... Sean O'Connor's efforts to secure custody of his children in a country routinely denied custody to fathers and prohibited divorce motivated him to become chairman of the Divorce Action Group. At one point, he even debated his wife on the subject on a radio show. Okay, we'll play some more Sinead O'Connor um, next week. I do want to talk for a minute about Donald Trump and how he's given himself away again. Now, for a lot of people, the ins and outs of running a government and the ins and outs of programs and committees and bills just are overwhelming and boring and they just don't want to be involved in it. So a lot of people 
maybe say about Donald Trump that, well, are there things to be said about him? I don't know any good things to be said about him, but this last week, Mr. Trump really, really defined himself in the minds of lots of working people. Now, typically, when someone is fired, they're allowed to collect their pension. They're allowed, that's one of the conditions they get to collect their pension. Mr. Trump and his people have gone out of the way to fire a career FBI man, Mr. McCabe, two days early. He's worked in the FBI for 21 years. His birthday is, uh, is tomorrow when he will have completed 21 years of service and would be entitled to a pension on the basis of that work. Well, Mr. Trump and his people have conspired to fire McCabe two days before his retirement date so that he won't be able to collect a pension. Now think of that. We know Mr. Trump is guilty of many things, many things that would have gotten anyone else impeached long ago. But this, this is a perfect way to see Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump is a person who conspires to fire an employee two days early so that employee doesn't get the pension that he has earned. 20 years, 363 days. And now they're going to try to beat him out of his pension? These are Mr. Trump's real colors, you all. Okay? Mr. Trump is a poor poor excuse for a human being. Even uh, bosses who don't feel that much about their employees would not do such a thing. Okay, so had uh, something from Mumio, Mumia Abul-Jamal. I'll have to wait that for next week. Um, this is the B, and I'm saying hello to Solina, hello to Vita, hello to Sylvia, hello to all the family. Expect to see you at the uh, march today, right? Maybe we will and maybe we won't. Good. Have a good week and good work. Here's Willie Dixon. You know, the blues speak of so many things and making a kind of variety of the program. It requires a lot of different facts of life that we must know about. And when you think about the various nations of Earth, if you can't make peace. Religions of the earth, the various nationalities, the various people all over the world. 
we have been able to make anything that we want to make and do anything we want to do. Have created miracles. But it don't make sense when we can't make peace. You know, you made everything else. Wise men, great men, from every nation in the world, all the countries in the world, have all kinds of conventions and festivals. Spend all the money. Suppose you had to spend half as much money on trying to make peace as you have been making war. Wouldn't have to worry about nothing. But it don't make sense. It don't make sense. It don't make sense when you can't make peace. Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Run! 
here, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base ten times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco, and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special, a shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shout. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. 
don't miss it, go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Oh yeah, it goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grinder. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Hey, people, this is Flat Black Plastic coming to you on Muni Radio.fm.